All right, how long does it take? This is a common question that people have about building habits. So there was a study done at University College London. They looked at a variety of different habits. On average, they found that it takes 66 days for a new habit to stick, 66 days to build a new habit. That's James Clear, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Thank you so much for joining me today as we close out our week with a returning speaker with a topic that I have started to have a small obsession with, and that is habit formation and habit building. And It's something that has helped me change the way that I do things. It's made my day-to-day task much, much easier because of the systems that I've put in place because of the things that I've learned. Um, It's also helped me start and more importantly, complete the things that are on my never-ending to-do list. So if some of what I have saying resonates with you, then I invite you to check out this clip, pick up his book or any book that broaches this topic and then start implementing the thing that you learn at the moment that you learn them, which is a term coined um, just in time learning. Because when you do it, you'll get it both logically and uh, practically. So something that I highly recommend. I hope you enjoy today's clip. So without further ado, here's James Clear. Enjoy. I like to start by talking about a research study, and this, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with my work or haven't read a lot of my articles, I, this typical flow and the flow of this talk as well is going to be some kind of story. We're going to back it up with scientific study or research. I try to base the majority of what I talk about in some type of proven academic study, and then distill it down to a practical insight, something you can take home and actually use. And so that's going to be the flow, and we're just going to repeat that time after time as we go through this presentation. This particular study came from Princeton University, and uh, most people are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan stopping along the side of the road to help help a fallen person, help someone in need. Well, Princeton, their theology school, decided to run this uh, experiment, and they brought in a bunch of theology students. They said, all right, we're all familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to break you up into groups, and you're going to go teach in different rooms across campus. You're going to teach this story. And so they started talking about, you know, how they were going to deliver the presentation and so on. And they had a couple different cohorts. The one cohort, they said, all right, just go ahead and, you know, go off and, uh, and deliver the presentation. So they went off to their rooms. Um, the second one, though, they did something interesting. They sent the group off, but on their way to the, uh, well, they sent the group off and they said, by the way, we're running a little bit behind, right? You, you don't have very long to get there. It takes about 10 minutes. You only got five. So we kind of need to hurry. Um, you're probably already going to be late. So they're in a rush. They know they're going to go give this presentation. On the way, they planted an actor on the, uh, on the campus. And this actor is laying on the ground, hurt, moaning in pain. And so they scream twice, and then they cry out. And every single group went right past the person in need to go give a presentation about helping a person in need. <laughs> right? The one person even stepped over the guy who was in pain in order to get there. Now, the point of this, and what I'd like to start talking about now, is the danger of being goal-focused and goal-oriented. These people had a goal, right, to deliver a presentation. 
And they were so one-sided, so narrow-minded, so focused on that goal that they missed the bigger picture and the perspective of what they should have been doing in the first place. And I think that this can be a danger of goals often. And so instead, I would like to encourage us to focus on systems, systems rather than goals. Here are some examples. If you're a coach, your goal is to win a championship, but your system is what your team does at practice each day. If you're a writer, your goal might be to write a book, maybe even write a best-selling book, but your system is how you write each week, the schedule that you follow. If you're an entrepreneur, your goal could be to build a million-dollar business or a $10 million business, but the system is the sales and marketing process that you have. The systems are what actually make the difference. They're what drive the results. And what I've seen, having goals is great. Having a vision, having a dream is nice. It's important to know where you're going and where you're headed. It's important to have some clarity of focus, to know that we're moving in this direction. But once you know that, having the goal on paper makes very little difference. And committing to the system and showing up every day drives a lot of results. And so I'd like to talk about how we can build these systems and repeat these habits day after day, week after week. The first thing that I'd like to encourage us to think about is how goals and repetitions actually get you to any outcome that you want. So let's say that you have a goal of squatting 300 pounds, right? Point A might be squatting 100 pounds, and it doesn't take very many repetitions to get there. Maybe you have to be in the gym for, I don't know, six months, a year, whatever it happens to be. Maybe you can do it right now. Point B could be squatting 200 pounds. It's going to take some more repetitions to get there. Point C is much further down the line, take even more. But once you realize this, the only thing that you have to do is put your reps in. The only thing that it comes down to is committing to the system and performing day after day. So habits, in this way, take you wherever you want to go. All right, how long does it take? This is a common question that people have about building habits. So there was a study done at University College London. They looked at a variety of different habits. On average, they found that it takes 66 days for a new habit to stick, 66 days to build a new habit. This had a really wide range, though. Sometimes the habits were very small, like drinking a glass of water at lunch. Sometimes they were much more significant, like going for a run after work each day. Um, the lesson to take away from this is that the range was anywhere from three weeks to eight months. And so if you're looking to build a new habit, if you're looking to install a new behavior in your life, then you can pretty much commit to the fact that this is going to take months, right? This is a lifestyle that we're trying to build. It's not 21 days and then you're done. It's not a 30-day program that it's like, we did it, habits built. Don't need to worry about it anymore. There's some point which on the vertical axis we have behavior automaticity, so how automatic something is, how little you have to think about it. And then on the horizontal axis, the number of repetitions you need to do. The more reps you do, the more automatic the behavior becomes. And at some point, you get to that little habit line where it tips over, and suddenly this is automatic now. So again, we're talking about focusing on the number of repetitions that you do, the system that you build, so that you can make this behavior more automatic and more routine. There are a lot of different habit models, some from the people that I mentioned earlier, Lewin's Equation, Operant Conditioning is a very famous one uh, by B.F. Skinner, Tiny Habits Model, Loop Model, Hook Model, blah, blah, blah. The only reason I list all these here is so that you understand that there are a lot of different ways of thinking about habits. But we're going to break one down right now, the, probably the most popular assessment of how habits and behavior work. Um, all of these share things in common. So if you hear people talking about this is the way to build habits, it's a way to think about building habits. All right, here's one way to think about it. I call this the three R's. This is very similar to what's mentioned in Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, uh, which is a good book to read if you'd like a little overview. Um, the basic idea is that there are three phases of building any new routine into your life. First, there's the reminder, okay? And the reminder is the thing that triggers the habit, the, the thing that initiates the behavior. It's a cue. 
So for example, if my phone rings, that could be a reminder. The second piece is the reward, or is the, uh, the routine itself, the actual habit, right? The, the action that you're performing. So phone rings, that's a reminder. I answer the phone, that's the routine. The third piece is the reward. And this is the benefit that you get for doing the behavior. Now, when we're trying to build new habits, when we're trying to think about how to initiate these things into our life, the important pieces to focus on are the reminder and the reward. Because if you can figure out how to give the right incentive, the right benefit for doing the behavior, it becomes more easy for it to be ingrained. And if you can figure out how to trigger the behavior, which we're gonna talk about in a moment, that may be the most powerful way to initiate new behaviors and habits. I'm gonna give you multiple examples of that in a moment. So let's talk about practical ways to build these new habits. First, simplicity. Start incredibly small. The reason that we wanna start incredibly small is that there is some type of friction in the beginning. And the bigger the habit is, the bigger the friction is to start that behavior. So, if you were gonna break it down in three simple steps, and this comes from the Tiny Habits uh, program by G BJ Fogg, which is free if you'd like to take it if you really wanna geek out on this stuff. Um, tinyhabits.com is where that's at. But start with a habit that's incredibly easy for you. Increase your habit, but in a very small way, and then keep it easy and break the habit down as needed. Sounds super simple, sounds really basic. In practice, it's much harder to do because we often talk ourselves into biting off much more than we can chew, right? Nobody wants to make three free throws today, they wanna shoot 300. But if you can start with three and increase to four and then increase to five, then you can start to build a system of behavior and you focus on building the pattern first rather than focusing on the results. And that's what we're talking about when we say put the system before the goal. So this is a way of thinking about that friction point in the beginning, right? The amount of motivation you need to complete a habit drastically decreases as the habit is completed. Let's say you wanna go on a run after work, right? The hardest part is getting your shoes on and getting out the door. Once you do that and you start running, you know, you go the first mile, you might as well run back and finish it, right? Like I'm already halfway here. So the amount of motivation you need at that point is nil. You've already, you've already done it, right? The hard part is getting started. And so if you can, you can do multiple things to make this easier. First, you can make the habit smaller, right? That's what we're talking about right now. Let's make the habit as small as possible, reduce the friction needed, so I don't need to rely on motivation and willpower to execute this behavior. The second thing that you can do is design your environment to make it easier to get started. You wanna go for a run, lay your shoes and your clothes out the night before. You don't have to make that decision, right? Just reduce the amount of friction points in front of you for performing that behavior. And we'll talk about environment design later. Basically, you wanna make it so easy that you can't say no to it. So when you're building a new habit, if it's hard enough that you could possibly not feel motivated, you don't have enough willpower to execute on it, it's too hard, too big in the beginning, right? Make it so easy that you can't say no to start and then escalate and improve from there. Big thanks to James Clear for stopping by. His website is jamesclear.com. His Instagram is also jamesclear. And his highly, highly successful book, which has over, I think, 97,000 reviews on Amazon. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, that book is entitled Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build good habits, and break bad ones. And I got this clip from YouTube. It is entitled, The Surprising Power of Small Habits, James Clear Snaps Leadership Conference. So if you like this clip and you want to check out the entire talk, I have a link to it in the show description. Also in the show description will be a link to all the ways to connect with him and his work and a list of all the previous episodes that he's been on. And if I remember correctly, I think he's only been on the show one time and if my memory serves me well, I think it's episode 198. Yes, 
episode 198. So you can go check that out. And when you get a chance, please follow the show, share it or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. As always, I greatly, greatly appreciate you for it. Also, you can follow me on IG at Depression Detox Show. Shoot me a DM or email me directly at mj at depressiondetoxshow.com. I would love to hear from you. And that is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I hope you have an amazing weekend and I will see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later.